Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, kids, this is my very first podcast I've ever recorded on my own, so we'll see how it goes. Um, just to give you a little background on who I am and how I even feel like I should do this podcast. Um, my name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I live in Draper, Utah. I have a son, Jackson Light, and he goes to Corner Canyon High School. Jackson is uh, currently a verbal commit to the University of Oregon football program in the class of 2021. And to say that recruiting has been uh, a complete journey would be <laughs> understating it, I guess, would be the best way to say that. Um, we actually started this at this point almost three years ago, and I just wish, and I have people ask me all the time, what do you do about this? And what do you do about this? And I I've been learning kind of as I go. And so somebody, a couple of people have actually said to me, you should do a podcast and explain everything that's going on because it's normally the moms that come and talk to me. Um, and so this is my uh, podcast that kind of walks you through the things you absolutely have to know uh, when you're recruiting. And I'm going to share my experience and you can take it for what it's worth. I'm certainly not any sort of certified expert in any way, shape, or form, but this is just my experience and uh, what I found when we were going through the recruiting process, and frankly, we're still in the recruiting process, and we'll kind of uh, get to that probably not in this first episode, but other, other episodes down the road. This first episode is going to be called The Basics, and the reason why I called it the basics is there's certain things you absolutely have to have and you have to have them sometimes before you even know you have to have them in order to get uh, recruited to play football at the next level. So for the purposes of this discussion, a majority of what I'm going to tell you is going to be for Division One athletes. However, there are Division Two schools, there's Division Three schools, um, at Division II level and at Division three level, sometimes they give you scholarship help. It may not be a full ride, but they usually will help you in some way, shape, or form relative to your tuition. Um, but what I'm going to be talking about is uh, D1 football, and the D1 guidelines are the most strict and stringent, and so if you can handle D1 guidelines, then you will be fine for D2 and D3 football as well. So when we talk about the basics, the first thing that comes up for me anyway is varsity playing time. So in order for you generally to be recruited at Division One, you have to play varsity football. And for some kids, that's not going to happen until their sophomore, junior, or sometimes even their senior year. We were incredibly lucky when at our house, we, we tend to set goals and we're all about achieving goals. And so the first goal coming into high school for Jackson was we wanted to make the varsity, well, 
let's back up. That would be completely disingenuous to act as if we thought we were going to make varsity from the get-go. Um, you hear a lot of things in football when you're originally going into high school and they're they tend to be like from the boosters or from parents of players who are on the high school team and rumors in the community and so there tends to be a lot of buzz and noise around oh when you get to high school everything's gonna change yada 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 and that's totally true to some extent but depending on what program you go to they could have very different structure for how they decide who plays varsity and who doesn't play varsity. When Jackson was going into high school, um, all the buzz and all the noise around playing for the football team actually was, if you're a freshman, you'll be lucky to make the freshman and sophomore team, and then only the sophomores get to play, and so playing as a sophomore, like, don't expect to play when you're a freshman, and, you know, with no experience, we we had to believe that information. Um, The moment we entered high school, though, we came in in a year in which there was a massive coaching change and all the coaches that had been part of the coaching staff prior were no longer part of the coaching staff. And and Corner Canyon had hired a new head coach by the name of uh, Coach Care, and he brought in his team of coaches with him for offensive line, defensive line, um, all the different coaching positions that handle that uh, handle football. And they were not interested in what year in school you were in. They were not interested in uh, who had done things before in that position. They were interested in finding the best players for the position. And so if you were a freshman and you were won the job, you won the job. And if you were a senior and you'd had the job for two years and you thought you were going to have this great senior year, unless you were the best player for that position, they were not going to give you that position. So there was no seniority. Uh, everything was basically a competition. Everything was skills-based. And frankly, if you're looking to play Division One ball, that's the kind of environment you want to have your children playing in because at a college level, they don't care who your dad is. They don't care who your connections are or what you used to do. They absolutely care whether or not you can play um, at that level. And so when I say we're talking about the basics, what I'm really saying is if your kid is not playing varsity currently, then it's really, really difficult to get recruited because varsity players are the ones um, that get the attention. It's important if, you, if you're playing sophomore or you're playing JV that you're working really, really hard and doing everything you can to earn that varsity playing time. And the truth of the matter is that any moment a starter can go down and someone the next person in line has got to step up and fill that spot and so even if you're not a starter on varsity right now you better be ready because at any moment things could change and you could become the starter and there's various different ways to get ready for that and I think I'm going to have a later podcast specifically about uh, strength and conditioning specifically about weights specifically about nutrition um 
being a student athlete, a football player, isn't just something you do after school. It literally is an all-encompassing 24 hours a day, seven days a week situation. You have to be getting the right sleep. You have to be eating the right food. You have to be worrying about how much you weigh, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll go into that later. But when I look at my basics, the number one basic thing your child needs to have is varsity playing time. Now let's make the assumption that if you're on my podcast, you've probably at that point already and somebody said something to you, a coach or a scout or somebody like that that says, oh, he, he's really good. Your player's really good. He could play at the next level. Then the next thing you need to do is make sure you're registered with the NCAA Eligibility Center. Now that, I believe, is going to cost $89. They may have changed the price recently, but it is impossible to get recruited. It's impossible to accept a Division I scholarship without having an NCAA eligibility number. And so the first thing you want to do, if that's even a possibility for your child, is go to the NCAA, NC2A website, look at their eligibility center, and then register your athlete there. Um, And that will give him an NC2A number. And that is absolutely important if you're ever going to get some sort of... um, academic scholarship. And it's not just for football. If they're playing, if you have a kid playing at any other level, they have to have that eligibility number. Otherwise, they can't accept a scholarship. And then there's kind of two basic subcategories underneath um, when it, eligibility. And one has to do with GPA and the other one has to do with the kinds of classes that you take in school as well as an ACT or an SAT. So let's talk about that for just a second. In order to become Division I eligible, you have to have 16 core credits. And the 16 core credits are listed very specifically on the NC2A site. And every single high school in America has to submit their curriculum in order for the NC2A to approve that particular course for uh, being able to count as a core credit. So let me give you an example of that. Um, You have to have uh, four credits of English. You have to have four credits of math. Well, you can't take uh, remedial math for three credits and have it count. The NC2A Eligibility Center has said, at your high school, let's say you went to... uh, Bingham High School in Utah, or you went to Helix High School in California, the NC2A has reviewed all of the curriculum at those schools and decided which are core GPA classes and which are not, and which will will fulfill the requirement and which won't. Your student should never, ever, ever be registered for a core class that hasn't already been approved by the NC2A. And the the schools absolutely know what that list, list is, as well as the NC2A knows what that list is. So you can go on their website, you can search every single class on your kid's schedule, and you can find out whether or not they count that class as a core. So that is really, really, really important. Um, as part of that 16 core credits, they've outlined very specifically what those core credits need to be. So I would absolutely recommend that you go to their website and find out what those cores are. 
And as another kicker, there's a certain percentage of those core classes that you have to have completed prior to your kid's senior year. So if you can get five credits in while they're a freshman and five credits in while they're a sophomore and five credits in while they're a junior, the only thing that they'll have left their senior year is that core, that one core credit that needs to be done prior to graduation. So really, really important before you read the falls, we're almost finished up with this school year. Today is May uh, 7th, 2020. Um, assuming we get through this dreadful pandemic situation and kids go back to school in the fall, it's very, very important that you never letting your kids register moving forward without making sure that the core classes they need in order to be Division I eligible are in fact approved for your school. And most schools have a school counselor that their whole job in life is to be the NC2A school counselor for uh, your school. So find out who that core, that counselor is. And if you have any questions specifically about the courses at your school, go talk to the counselor. She will, she or he will absolutely know. I'm making all sorts of generalizations here, aren't I? Um, so that's super important. The next thing you need to know about those core classes is those are your GPA for determining your eligibility. So um, if you get A's in PE all the time, but you get D's in math, or you get A's in um, music or weightlifting or uh, art, those A's in art and all those other things don't matter in the least when it comes to your when it comes to your eligibility the only thing that matters for eligibility is your core credits um and when they're talking about your core credits they figure your GPA completely differently than your high school will figure your GPA so i'm just going to give you a little example of that right now um if i they actually figure your GPA uh almost uh horizontally versus vertically. So if I have an A in English my first semester, I have a B in English my second semester, I have a B plus in my English class the third semester, and an A minus in the fourth semester, okay, so what that went A, B, B plus, A minus, okay, those are the grades that they are going to figure out your GPA, GPA with. So uh, a B plus becomes a B and A minus becomes an A. They drop all the pluses and minuses and they only take A, Bs, and Cs. Um, if you have a D, that's really hard to recover from. You can if you get it early on in your high school career, but um, they're hard to recover from. So I take A, B, B, A, and that's a, a four for an A, a three for a B. So that would be um, 14 divided by four. See, I should have had this calculation done ahead of time. That's going to put me into a 3.2, which counts as a uh, B, actually. So two A's and two B's really turns into... A B. 
Make sense? It can be really difficult to kind of figure that out. And so your kid could have a GPA that actually ends up on the honor roll, but because of pluses and minuses and the way they figure out your uh, core GPA, it can be much lower than you thought it could be. And there's a huge variance there. So on the NC2A website, they actually have a sheet that you can fill out that gives you the calculations to look at your core GPA. And that is really important. Now, the reason why I talk about core GPA is because in order to be eligible to play your freshman year of college, you have to have a minimum of a 2.3 core GPA. So that's just basically a C plus. You have to have a C plus in all your core classes. And then depending on what your GPA is, they have a sliding scale for what kind of um, ACT or SAT you have to have. So I know it seems like a lot of different calculations, but the all of this information is available, uh, available sorry, on the NC2A eligibility site. So if I had, say, um, a 2.3 GPA, I'm going to have to have a much higher ACT score or an SAT score. If I have a 4.0 core GPA, I can almost fail the ACT or the SAT, and I'm still going to be eligible. It's a sliding scale of information. So you, what you want to do as quickly as possible is you want to see where you are relative to your core GPA. You want to see where you are relative to how many core classes you've already taken and whether or not those core classes are approved. And you want to make sure you get your eligibility number from the eligibility center. Okay, so just to recap so far, varsity playing time, NC2A eligibility, core classes only, your core GPA, and then you're going to look and see where am I right now and what do I need to be at if I want to actually play when I move on to the next level. The next thing I want to talk about is film. Assuming that you have a varsity player, your varsity player generally will have access to the film that is recorded at every game for the coaches as well as every practice. So it's really important, at least for this basics, to make sure that your kid has access to that film because that's going to come uh, in handy later when you're trying to put together a highlight reel, which we'll get into probably in another um, section, but let's start by making sure for today's lists of things to do that you have access to huddle film or whatever service your particular high school is using. Um, Film is the number one way once you've had a chance to click off all the other boxes that college coaches evaluate whether or not you would be a good fit in their program, especially right now when we're dealing with a pandemic because college coaches are not out on the road. They're not traveling. They're not walking into high schools. They're not watching practices. All of recruiting has been completely shut down right now. And the only thing that they can look at is your film. And your film should tell them a story about the kind of play that your athlete does. So make sure they have access, your athlete has access to that film because that's going to become really, really important as you're going down the recruiting road. And the last thing we're going to cover today is social media, which seems like a ridiculous thing to 
to cover depending on how old you are. Back in the day, like literally your play was all that they needed to see. If you had film, that was fantastic. But they didn't want to worry about what on Twitter and what's going on on Snapchat and TikTok and all the all the things. Um, this is going to sound insane if you're not aware of this already, but football recruiting happens completely and totally on Twitter. Twitter gives them them being uh, college coaches, a one-stop shop in order to view tons of different kids from all over the country and get uh, access to their film. It also tells them a little bit about their character. So the number one thing you can do for your athlete is make sure all their social media is clean. You don't want them tweeting or liking things that would be a bad look for a college coach. That is really, really important. And then the second thing you can do for your athlete is make sure that they are on Twitter. And Twitter should absolutely have a very specific format. College coaches need to be able to find some very specific information the moment they click on your athlete's Twitter handle. So the first one would be if you can find a Twitter handle that um, in some way, shape, or form actually has their name in it, that would be fantastic. You don't want big, sexy, you don't want uh, greatest gift to mankind like you want something that shows professionalism you want something that uh, tells a story about who you are um in my son has been both a football player and a baseball player for very, many many years and when he was little everyone used to call him big jacks and in baseball for years his number was 36 and so as as elementary as that sounds when he's on Twitter he's big jacks 36 and then for Twitter uh, for social media specifically Instagram and possibly even Snapchat I don't have it off the top of my head he's actually jlight 74 and so in that way he's using his Jackson light is his last name 74 is his football number. So both different sites are tying into sports and and giving you a flavor of who he is. And then the most important things that you can have on Twitter are the following. You should have your athlete's full name. You should have the high school that they play for. And that high school should be spelled out. There's tons of CCHSs or OHS or WHS. So a college coach has, has no idea where you're located unless you have the name of your of your high school spelled out. You should have their position. Do they play wide receiver, running back, um, offensive tackle, center, D tackle? That should be on there. You should have uh, their huddle link on there, so their film link on their profile. You should have their GPA, core GPA. Again, we don't care what their, and I say we, nobody cares what their regular GPA is. That's fine and good and dandy. The only thing they care about is whether or not you're going to be able to come on to their college team and contribute because you can play, because you got your schoolwork done. So their GPA, 
when your specific athlete is graduating their grad class, so in Jackson's case, he's the class of 21. Um, last year's case, last year's graduates were 20s. We know kids right now who are already getting offers for the class of 22 and the class of 23. So grad class is really important. For your profile pic, you should have a football picture. And actually on this podcast, um, I had to pick a pic. And that is actually my son Jackson that's on the cover of the podcast. And then in order to kind of round out that profile on your Twitter account, you should have height and weight. And here's a massive warning to you, everyone. Do not inflate your height and weight. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times we were always incredibly honest on his Twitter about how tall he was. And for a long time, people thought Jackson was, he's got to be 6'4". He's 6'4". Well, we had been to different colleges and every single college around the country, the NFL has come into that college and they've put up a measuring stick. And that measuring stick will tell you how tall you are relative to the NFL, right? And there will be kids that walk in and say they were 6'4", and they'll go and get on the measuring stick, and they're actually 6'2". Those two inches are a giant deal. So coaches will be incredibly disappointed if you inflate those numbers. So make sure you have those numbers as accurate as they possibly can. Uh, B. So uh, for a long time, Jackson had his height in there at 6.662, and he was. He was 6'2 and a half. And we would go to colleges, and they would measure him, and he would come in exactly at 6'2 and a half. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, you look bigger than that. But he wasn't. He was 6'2 and a half. And then uh, recently, we were actually at uh, the University of Oregon for. was it junior day? Yeah, junior day. And they measured him and it was like a COVID pandemic miracle. He came in at 6'3 and an eighth. So that's what the Twitter profile should say going forward is 6'3 and an eighth. And and then your weight is really important too. Now it's not going to matter um, if weight can be seen a couple of different ways. They want kids who can take uh, the physical punishment of playing um, D1 football. And then if you're supposed to be in a position where you're blocking or tackling, like an O-lineman needs to weigh a certain amount in order to play Division One ball. And that's a big deal. Some schools will not offer until you get to a certain size. And so um, height and weight are really, really important. And then if there's still room left, um, your football number, of course, so that they know who they're looking out for. And then if you have any accomplishments. So we've been incredibly lucky the past two years. We've taken, and I say we, but really I didn't do any of the playing, but I, we're a team over here. And uh, Corner Canyon won football 6A state last year. And the year before that, they won uh 5A state, and then in February, Jackson was actually selected to be an Under Armour All-American. So in his profile, he has two state ring emojis, and he has the fact that he's an All-American, an Under Armour All-American. And and that's really good information to have on your Twitter profile. So let's let's just run down the basics really quick, and then in the next episode, we'll probably go into 
whole other things. We may talk about official visits versus unofficial visits or stars or governing bodies or all sorts of crazy things depending on what comes up. So let's just recap real quick. Make sure that you have a player that's playing varsity playing time. Make sure you go and register with the NC2A Eligibility Center. Make sure you review the core class is and where your student athlete is relative to completing those core classes. Make sure you figure the GPA and figure out where you are and where you need to be in order to go immediately on a football field at the next level and contribute and they're not having to academic redshirt you or that kind of thing. Um, make sure you have access to film, super duper important. Make sure your social media is clean and telling the right story about your athlete. And then make sure they have a Twitter and that that Twitter has all that information that you want to make sure is available on there. Name, high school, position, huddle link, GPA, grad class, uh, football picks for both your background and your um, personal pick, height, weight, and your football number, and then last but not least, any accomplishments. Okay, guys, that's it for the first episode. We're running roughly 30 minutes on this one. So let me know if you have any questions and I'll talk to you next time on the next episode. Okay, bye-bye.